ready to sit down and so I understand if you want to do that but we are going to sing one more song um, I'm so led by that song that that just speaks of his worthiness and his holiness and just being filled with awe that turns us to say you are my everything I will adore you I will follow you with my life <laughs> um Wow, I, I see this in, oh, I lost my bookmark. Oh, no, wait, there it is. Put it on the wrong part. Um, I see this <laughs> in Peter being called out on the water, right? He knows, he knows of the goodness of Jesus and who he is. And then during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost they said and they cried out in fear but Jesus immediately said to them take courage it is I don't be afraid Lord if it's you Peter replied tell me to come to you on the water come he said and then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? I replaced the wrong song. I don't have words. I was going to tell you the words of this next song, but we're going to just do it without that. We're going to sing about the oceans and being called out on the water. And in my mind, I'm thinking, gosh, the importance of setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he wants to lead us, church, with full abandon, full faith, He's got us. We are held. We are held in his hands. Hope you're encouraged by that today. You call me out upon the
blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. So my name is Kevin Green, and I'm here today to talk to you during our connection moment about connection to mission. And I will tell you before I even start that Amy and I did not talk this week at all. But it's amazing the way the Spirit ties everything together. Um, I'm going to start by reading to you Deuteronomy 10.18. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the alien, giving, the, giving him food and clothing. There's no less than 100 times that that is mentioned in the Bible. It was truly God speaking to people that this was important, that we care for those individuals, those individuals in need. This verse was written over thousands, you know, thousands of years ago, and it still holds true today. When you think about the widow, I'll put it in modern terminology and say, what about the elderly, the shut-ins? When you think about the orphan, children without parents, children without support, without help. When you think about the alien, the lonely, the ones in prison. We have all kinds of individuals that need support help. So as I said, my name is Kevin Green, and I was asked to speak because of our story. My wife Polly and I um, went through a process of adoption. We have, we have 33 children, and that is true, a true statement. We had two biological children, 31 adopted children. 30 of those 31 adoptions were international adoptions. So children who were actually in an orphanage. We had one domestic adoption, which was Caden, and he was from Michigan. And some Ohio State fans would refer to that as a foreign country anyway. <laughs> um, but we, yes, and we took on a path of adoption. But, you know, God did not set us out right away. We didn't think that we would have 31, you know, 31 adoptions. We turned to adoption back from our first adoption, we got Kyra, and then at that point, God took us on a path. And it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't something that was short. It was, a, you know, over the years, we've been going to church here for about 40 years. And adoption was just part of our life, to bring kids into our family. We couldn't have done it by ourselves. And there's no way we could have done it by ourselves. God gave us the strength to be there, to do this. And I will tell you one quick story, and this is when we were in the process of adopt, adopting our two boys, Braylon and Tucker, from Liberia, Africa. Um, we were just a few weeks out from going to get the kids, to get the boys, I was gonna be going. Um, Polly doesn't travel to third world countries. <laughs> and so I went to go get them. I was in Mount Vernon Nazarene University a couple weeks prior to leaving, and I get a message from Polly that says, would you like to adopt this little girl? And I'm like, how are we going to do this? I mean, it's, I'm a couple weeks out from flying to Africa. There's no way. And Polly said, well, we were approved for, you know, three children and, you know, through our home study and all this. She said, this is going to be our daughter. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. The one thing you don't ever do is get in the way of God. So I traveled to Liberia. While I was there, I got a message from Polly, said the paperwork's done. So I went to go get Braylon and Tucker, and I came back with Braylon, Tucker, and Kinley. God works. 
God is with us. When we're willing to take that step of faith out, God is with us. And all God asks is for us to take that step. That's it. You know, and it's funny because the words to the songs we just sang, I had actually written as one of my favorite songs. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Wherever you would call me to go, am I willing to go? Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And so, yes, we did adopt 31 children. But God led us on an incredible journey to do that. And I'll leave you with this from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It's a New Century Version Bible. I like the way this, is set, the way this says it. And Christ gave gifts to the people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go and tell the good news, and some to have the work of caring for people, the elderly, the shut-ins, the orphans, the fatherless the aliens, the strangers. We all have a calling. Are we willing to step out in faith? Because, you know, it's not, the mission field of today is right outside the walls of this church. Are you willing to step out in faith and let God lead you to that mission field? Give Kevin a hand. Don't you appreciate him and his ministry? It's always, Terry and I, we always laugh about this. When we first interviewed here, well, it's been nearly eight years ago now, uh, we met with the board, and I think Kevin was late, and he came in and introduced himself. He said, my name's Kevin Green, my wife Polly. We've been married 33 years, and we have 33 kids. And Terry and I went, ha, 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 He said, no, I'm serious. And so that's how I was introduced to, to the ministry. I, I love what you said there, Kevin. And we've been talking about this on, on staff as well. Uh, folks, you are all called. Everyone in this room is called. Uh, when we use the phrase called, this is not about ministry positions. This is not about ordination. This is about the call of God on every person's life. And every person in this room has a divine call from God where he is moving you out. And there's people that you can reach, that, that you can touch their life, that no one else can touch. And so I hope that you take that seriously, that you listen for that call, that sweet voice of God as he calls you into the ministry. And I appreciate uh, what Kevin and Polly do. Not all of us in this room could do that. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, but I believe at one point, Kevin, you said that God calls some to be preachers and some to be teachers, and you feel that God called you and Polly to be parents. And so we appreciate your ministry, what you do, and we appreciate your kids, and we love you. Well, I've got a, 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 a far side to show to start my sermon. Uh, either, people either hate far sides or they love far sides. You can see the guy's got, he's painting a picture of the lady. He's got the big fly. And if you can't see, there's a fly on his lens, okay? And so he's got the distorted picture is the fly on the lens. You can flip it through. Some people hate far sides. I love them. Um, perspectives matter. Uh, how we see matters. And his perspective in that little comic was the fly on the lens, and it, it distorted his perspective. And I guess as I begin just talking about this last portion of this series, what's on your lens that's keeping you from seeing people like God sees people? What's impeding your vision? What's keeping you from having a perspective like God's? We've been talking about perspective in this series, we, we, and lost and found, it's been about perspectives. We, we've tried to gain a fuller perspective of renewal or revival, and we started with Josiah in the Old Testament, and we, we saw this king that was seeking hard after God, and, and then we got to Luke 15, and, and we, we began to listen to Jesus, and we realized that God is seeking after us. 
that, that this God that we're pursuing is pursuing us as well. Um, Thursday night, Terry and I went to the Lauren Daigle concert. Anybody know who? She's a pretty good artist, and she has a song called Rescue. And, and the song, I mean, every time I hear it, it moves me. I will send out an army to find you. In the middle of the darkest night, it's true, I will rescue you. You know, it's, it's the thing about songs. The, the best songs for me are the songs where you hear the voice of the Father. And I believe you hear the voice of the Father in that song. And I believe in Jesus' words, we hear the voice of the Father. In Luke 15, we hear the voice of the Father. And there's a fundamental shift. Uh, from Josiah saying, you need to search diligently from God to God is searching for you. Now, not that we stop seeking, not that we don't do our part, but we seek understanding that God is not hiding. God is not mad. God wants to be found in his fact he, and he is actively pursuing you and I. So it's a fundamental shift. It's a different understanding of the nature of God. And the nature of God, how God is, how God perceives, should shape the perspective and the nature of a church, right? We should, I thought I'd get at least one amen there. We should model ourselves after God. And so the church is not intended to be a come and see place. That the church is intended to be a go and seek people. It is a fundamental shift that churches need to see. For many, many years, churches could survive, could draw people, could continue to grow by being a come and see place. I want to tell you, I want you to understand that there is a shift in our culture and churches will not survive if we don't become go and seek people. Because people aren't just naturally gravitating into church buildings. Today, I want to spend some time celebrating our seeking God and, and talking about what it means to celebrate in Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. There's a hundred sheep, one's gone, shepherd goes and finds him. And then verse 5, when he is found and he lays on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. A celebration in heaven. A celebration at finding the lost sheep, but more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. And so heaven, the Bible doesn't tell us that heaven celebrates your birth, your wedding, your first child, your graduation, your job promotion, the first million that you make, etc. But heaven celebrated when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. Then we have a lost coin. She has ten coins. She loses one. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Joy in the presence of God over one sinner. And then we get this last powerful parable, the lost son. And the, and the prodigal runs, leaves the father, comes to the end of himself, comes confessing to the father. And the father says in verse 22, but the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they begin to celebrate. This great big party for this son, this wandering son, this son that had wasted his inheritance. There's this great big celebration. And we come to the title of this last part of the series. It's just a one, one sermon part, but learning to dance. Interestingly, Jesus builds celebration 
into his perspective of renewal or revival. It's important. It's an important part of the story. We have the son that's in the house. Let's all do our best dance moves, right? He's in the house. He's dancing. He's a little bit bewildered, right? Can you imagine him? He's thinking, man, dad's going to beat me senseless. You know, I'm in trouble. And instead, he's in here dancing. And the older brother standing outside trying to figure out why they're celebrating this younger son who had wasted everything. Arms crossed and dancing in the middle of the patio. So what has to happen? Because I believe the younger son is where we want to be, right? I believe God, Jesus wants us to see this is where you need to be, not where the older son is. So what has to happen if we want to learn to dance? If we want to be people who are dancing over what God has done in our life, in the parable that the younger brother needed to see his father differently. He had to rest in his forgiveness. You know, he's rehearsing, you know, I'll be a slave. Just make me a slave. You know, I know I've sinned against heaven, against you. And he has to rest in the forgiveness of the father. You know, we're a due culture. We're defined oftentimes, we believe we're defined by what we do or our circumstances. And it's not that these things aren't important, but the younger son needed to see that he was not defined by what he had done. It wasn't based on on his past, but his identity was based in the father's generosity and forgiveness. And Josiah, um, we can go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the series. Josiah has uh, this period of repentance, and then there's this gigantic Passover celebration. They hadn't celebrated Passover for a long time. And Josiah calls for this Passover celebration. And Passover is not somber. It's a celebration. It's marked by joy. And it's a significant reminder of what God had done in the life of pass and, and during the Passover. Israel did not deliver herself. God delivered Israel. And so this Passover, they're celebrating this God who brings deliverance. And they're having this great time because God delivers. You know, it's really built into their law. Built into their law is this ideal of the Sabbath, right? This day of rest, this day of celebration, this day of resting in God. And in the Sabbath, you're resting in two things, depending on which uh, part of the scriptures you read the Ten Commandments. And the first time, it says you rest on the Sabbath because God created and then rest on the Sabbath day. And then the second time the Ten Commandments are presented, it changes. And it says, you will rest on the Sabbath because God delivered you from slavery. And so what the Ten Commandments were saying in in the resting on the Sabbath is this, that it's a reminder that is God who creates and it's God who delivers. And so we are not created, we're not delivered on anything we do on our own, but God has created us and God has delivered us. And every week we're reminded, or supposed to be reminded, by stopping and saying it's God that delivers, it's God that saves. It's not based on what I can do. Even a Sunday morning gathering, we worship on Sunday morning. Why do we worship on Sunday morning? Say it. You know? Why did church start worshiping on Sunday morning? Resurrection. We worship on Sunday morning instead of Saturday because Jesus was ro- rose from the dead on Sunday morning. And so we rest in the resurrection of Christ. And so in so doing and celebrating on this day, we're saying our resurrections do not come but through our own strength, but we are brought to life even in this life through God. And we celebrate that every week. So let me ask you, what is your perspective? Do you see yourself like God sees you? you know, this, this is not a suggestion that we never cry or mourn. This isn't a don't worry, be happy sermon. Hurt really hurts. 
Pain is real. And life sometimes stinks, right? Sometimes it's really, really difficult. And the, the truth is that sometimes God invites us to cry with him. But, but in the midst of all this, we can rest, we can celebrate, we can have a joy that cannot be taken away in God. Not because of our circumstances, but because of the God who lifts us through our circumstances. That this is not an invitation to move past sorrow, but it's an invitation to move past being defined by our dues and defined by our circumstances and instead be defined by God. Okay, go back to Lauren Daigle and one of her songs. She says this, you say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I am weak. And you say I'm held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, you say I'm yours. You know, the, the, the beauty of that song, that, that, that her identity is found in who God says she is. In, in the song we sang today in Oceans, uh, we, we sing, For I am yours and you are mine. Our identity is found in who we belong to. Hillsong Worship has a song that says, I am who you say I am. <laughs> not what anybody else says is about me, not, not just what I do, but I am defined by God. The younger son in the parable comes to the father and he says, just make me a slave. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let, let me live as a slave in your household. And the father says, you are a son. Live like a son. See, there's a recognition in the parable that Jesus is not inviting people into the kingdom to be slaves, but children. And Jesus also recognizes in the parable that the older son, even though he lived in the house, felt like a slave. I've been working and serving you for years and you've never given me anything. And where did he find himself? On the outside, looking in. Let me ask you, where are you? Do you feel like you're on the outside looking in? Could it be that your relationship with God is focused on what you do instead of who you are in Christ? The title of this series or this sermon is Learning to Dance. And there's something I think that's important for us to see. We learn to dance with others. What's the phrase? It takes two to tango. You know, we, we learn to dance with others. Growing up, and, and I talked to the staff about this, they, they didn't have this. When, when I was young, in gym class, we used to have to do square dancing. Anybody else out there have to do square dancing? You know, it's like gym class. Hey, we could play basketball, baseball, football, soccer, kickball, dodgeball, anything fun. But they'd say, no, we've got to do stuff that really stinks. And so we would do square dancing. I don't know what the importance of me learning to do -si do was, right? It was the one time in my life that I always wanted to play that Nazarene card, right? We don't dance. But we'd square dance, and you'd, you'd learn in a group. And you know, that's the significance of this place. We learn to dance together. We, we learn who we are together. Yeah, I, I'm glad, and it, it's needed. I, I, I'm glad we have an online option. And for those of you who are joining us this morning, I'm glad that we have that option, but it can't become our only connection. We need real face-to-face -face connection. Um, this gathering is best when it's together. But when we come into this room and we celebrate together, we celebrate who we are in Christ, that we, we see Jesus working through each of our lives, there's something powerful that happens. Our small groups, we need you to be part of a small group. You can't do it just in this gathering. You need other connections. And there's, there's many forms of small groups in, in our church available now. And, and, and you need to find a place to plug in because you learn to dance with others. You know, when you learn to dance, um, 
Sometimes there's that intimate one-on-one, -on -one, right? So I'm not, we're not going to do a dancing class, but, but you know, you need those intimate one-on-one -on -one relationships to, to learn. And folks, if, if this is all we do, I'm glad we do this. This is valuable. This is important. But we need the small group connection. It's essential. So we have collectives. Uh, there's Ladies Bible Fellowship on Thursday nights. Uh, there, there's Men's Bible Fellowship that they're actually meeting here for the Zoom meeting once a week, and there's several guys that go to that. And so if you're interested in that, uh, Rodney Gilman's kind of heading that up, and I know Jim Carsey's involved in that, and, and I know uh, uh, Terry Moore is involved in that. See, see one of those guys. They, they will connect you. There, there's a Men's Thursday morning Bible study that Bob Sorority's been doing, and there's space for you. We, we have two Sunday school classes that are currently meeting, one that meets at 1015 in the gym and, and one that's meeting right now over here in one of these Sunday school rooms. Um, family tables, serving together, um, Tuesday night meal ministry, places to connect. C coming in December, we're going to be partnering with Blessings in a Backpack. And we had a meeting with Amy, and I can't, I, her last name, I don't even think I could say it if I knew it. Uh, but, but Amy has char started blessings in a backpack, and it started with a backpack, and now she's feeding 250 kids every week in your community. It's, it was one of the most moving staff meetings. I, I mean, it was an emotional moment as we talked about this ministry that God has grown in her garage. And we're going to be partnering with her in December. There's change coming. Um, we're offering additional Sunday school classes at 9 and at 10.15. Uh, we're going to be offering additional services for kids at 9 o'clock. And so here's the point. If we want to dance, we need you. We desperately need you. Uh, and to quote the temptations, and this will probably be the only sermon you ever hear the temptations quoted, ain't too proud to beg, sweet darling. <laughs> we need you. We need you to participate. Everyone adds value. Even if you're not feeling like you're missing anything, we're missing you. The body is missing you. We need you to, to help in serving COVID reduced. I mean, COVID was a big impact on our culture and our church. And COVID reduced what we were able to do. And people withdrew from roles, and we understand that. But we need you back. You know, the, the church is still here, and the purpose of the church and the value of the church is still the same. And we need you back desperately in the kids' area, in greeting. We have a kids' graphic here. These are spaces that need to be filled. We need you. And we, in the back of the sanctuary, there's cards where you can fill them out. And January 9th, we are launching this by faith, and we need you. If kids' area is just one area. There, there's many areas that, that need your involvement, from greeters to security, to coffee, to, to roles that have not been created yet because the truth is we start with what's essential. And what is essential from our perspective is our kids' ministry. We need you. But there's so many places that you can serve. That's the bottom line. There's a place for you. The body hurts when everyone does not find their place body hurts. And, and folks, we need you. You know, it's soon to be Thanksgiving. And, you know, as I, I think about Thanksgiving, it's this time of family being together and the whole family being together. Um, we've had a couple of, we had one Christmas where Wyatt was in Papua New Guinea uh, and he was chasing his bride, I guess. And so he is, he is in Papua New Guinea, and he called on Christmas Day. And, and Heather, my niece's younger or oldest son, asked where he is. And I said, Wyatt's in tomorrow, because they were past the date line. 
It was really confusing for a six-year-old, but I, I got a big kick out of it. So he was gone one Christmas, and, and then he missed a couple Thanksgivings when, when they were in Portland. And now Dylan and Dana is going to miss this Thanksgiving because she's in a play and can't come up. She's got practice. And, and, and you know, it, they're fine. You know, we, we, we still have a great time. I'm glad when I'm with any of my kids and my family, and we, we just have a great time together. But, you know, there's just something missing, right? You, you miss something. There's a space at the table. At the younger son's celebration, there was something missing. And it was the older brother. Let me ask you, are you missing the party? Are you missing what God's doing? I, I wrote my notes, and, and I don't know if this makes sense or not, but serving is dancing. How, how can serving be dancing. Uh, too, too often we, we see serving as the have-tos, right? Uh, Josh uses the phrase voluntold. Anybody ever been voluntold? Uh, what if we saw these opportunities differently? What, what if we saw them through the lens of Jesus? What if we saw them through the lens of God? Not, not what we have to do, but what we get to do as the children of God. Not, not slaving for the father, but living naturally as a child. Often Jesus would say something like this. I, I have to be doing my father's business. In other words, he didn't have a thumb in his back. He had a family business and he was participating in. Are you living and serving as a child? Or are you living as a slave? Only what you have to do instead of what you can do. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We always want to give space for response. Um, I, I know this is an altar call kind of sermon. Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe, maybe you want to come and, and just talk to him about where your place might be. And we're going to just give you a few moments, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, speak. Or we're listening. We, we want to hear from you. Not just the voice of a preacher. But the voice of our Father. Who calls us to this place. Where we don't slave for Him. But we're given this awesome opportunity. To participate as children in the Father's mission and business. Lord, in so doing, you give us the opportunity to lay up treasure, not just on earth, but in heaven. To serve with kids, to greet, to make sure things run smoothly, that so when people are here, Lord, it's not a distraction, but they can hear your voice. You give us opportunities to serve in our communities, to love people. Lord, you, you give us an opportunity to be living expressions of the song that's playing in the sanctuary right now. To allow people to see the face of God. To receive blessing from Him. So people can look at us, see the face of the Father and realize you're for them, not against them. Lord, we live in a desperate age. We live in an age where there's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of peace. Truly, there's not a lot of love. And you invite us to be different. To be like you. So Lord, give us the willingness to give up some of our time to you. Lord, that's all we have. May we not be so caught up 
and all these things that can distract us from your, your mission that we don't have space for you. Lord, I love you. I'm thankful as I stand here and pray for the people who invested in me. But for them, where would I be? From, from family members to Sunday school teachers to preachers to youth pastors to youth workers to fellow church members, people who invested in my life, who gave of themselves, not because they were slaves, but because they belonged to you. May we, Lord, be a people marked by that as well. Now, Lord, as we go from this place, once again, we're not a come and see place. We're a go and seek people. So help us to live true to that, Lord. Help us to show you wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.